0: Hello, Shocker Nation, and welcome to the Forward Together podcast. I'm Wichita State University President Rick Bumer. My guest today is the Honorable Stephanie Dawkins Davis, who serves as the U.S. Circuit Judge of the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit. Judge Davis is a 1989 Wichita State graduate, and she went on to earn her law degree from Washington University School of Law. She began her legal career in products liability and commercial litigation, and she also did pro bono work for survivors of domestic abuse and litigated prisoners' rights cases. She joined the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Michigan in 1997, where she served in both the civil and criminal divisions, and she also served as the Executive Assistant to the U.S. Attorney from 2010 to 2015. In January 2016, she became the Magistrate Judge for the United States District Court for the Eastern District of Michigan, and in 2019 she is appointed to serve as a United States District Judge for the United States District Court for the Eastern District of Michigan. In her current position, she is the only the second African American woman in history to serve on the Sixth Circuit. Welcome to the podcast Judge Davis. Well, good afternoon, Judge Davis. It's so good to finally get to meet you. I've uh, read a lot about you and um, about your accomplished career. And I wanted to have you on my podcast here at Wichita State University so we can not only showcase you as one of our alums, but it's always good to uh, be able to share stories of our alums to our students so they can see what's possible and and what you've done in in your life. So I'm going to start by... I'm um, just asking a simple question. Um, uh, how did you uh, end up coming to Wichita State, and what kind of impact did uh, your university degree here have on where you are today? Well, well, thank you so much for having me,
1: uh, Dr. It's, um I- I'm very happy uh, to be circling back to my old alma, alma mater, Wichita State. Uh, I arrived at Wichita State in 1985, August of 1985, And it was really between Wichita State and the University of Kansas in terms of which schools I would attend. Uh, I participated in a competition for scholarships that I'm not sure if the school still has or not, but incoming freshmen uh, that had a certain GPA uh, would come in for a battery of tests and those kinds of things. And I got a great scholarship from Wichita State. I also had a family member who was attending the university at that time. So that put the those two things put the thumb on the scale. And even though I actually had my um, my residential assignment at the University of Kansas, I made a pivot and became a, a shocker instead.
0: Oh, we're so glad that you did. Now remind me where you're from um, or where you were, were from before you came to the university.
1: Yep, so I grew up in Kansas City. Uh, and uh, graduated from Schlegel High School in Kansas City, Kansas, and I and a number of my classmates actually attended Wichita State together.
0: So any lessons that you could share with our listeners about things that you may have learned along the way in your education here in Kansas and starting out in Kansas City? We have, uh, just so you know, we have a, a large number of students who uh, are from Kansas City, uh, Kansas, and also on the Missouri side, who, who study here and that's one of our, our, our largest growth areas of students coming to the university.
1: So a, a couple of takeaways for me, in addition to uh, really receiving what I think is uh, an excellent education, uh, one of the things that was really, um, I would say, shaping for me were the leadership opportunities. I was very active on campus. I was a member of student government, and I also participated in another a number of other on-campus activities and had the opportunity uh, to engage in leadership activities. And the exposure that I got really to issues of the world uh, were phenomenal. When I was at Wichita State, uh, Warren Armstrong was the president of the university. Mm -hmm. And President Armstrong had a series of speakers who would come in and address the university. While I was a student there, we had Alex Haley, who was the author of Roots. We also had um, one of Desmond Tutu's uh, daughters came and spoke to the university. These were experiences that I never would have had if I hadn't been at Wichita State. I also had excellent professors I was in the College of Health Professions, but I also had a minor in economics. And so um, I, I'd say I remember Professor Graham and Professor Marie Penner, I had great, and, and Dean Radigan, I think, uh, really welcomed everyone to the university. And all of those things really helped to shape me as a student, not just as a student, but also as a student leader and someone who was engaged.
0: Yeah, well, you, you mentioned um, three names there that all those individuals are still around in some way, you know, either retired, but still connected to, to the university. And it's interesting that you mentioned Dr. Radigan. Um, any student I talked to, or alum that I talked to uh, uh, who was here during that time, he, they mentioned him because uh, he's, he's made a, a huge impact on, on so many of our, our students today and in the, in the past and of course- there'll... Count me amongst them. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. It's kind of intriguing. You told me that, um, or you said earlier uh, that you were a student in the College of Health Professions. That's where um, I used to teach as a faculty member, and and I believe you uh, had a degree or got a degree in healthcare administration. Is that is that right? Yeah. That's right. Yes. And so, tell me um, how you made that transformation to from that area to practicing law. What what was there a connection there, or or? Is, was there anything that you were doing to utilize those, school, those skills that moved you on to, into the a law area?
1: So I, I would say that I began um, as, a, I was either pre-med or physical therapy major because I really thought that I was going to be a hands-on uh, medical professional. And uh, a couple of things kind of changed that. Uh, I was always involved in uh, debate and forensics and public speaking and uh, very interested in things that were going on in the, you know, advocacy, I would say. Uh, Nevertheless, I was also interested in in health professions. Uh, When I took organic chemistry, it kind of (laughs) shifted what I thought I should do. Uh, The organic chemistry class was super challenging uh, and made me really think, okay, are you going to pursue... Um, really a career in the sciences? uh, Or are your talents better suited to maybe something that has to do with advocacy and public speaking? And so I wanted to, I kind of made that shift after my sophomore year uh, or, or during my sophomore year going into my junior year. And I thought, you know, I should probably change my major, but I also wanted to change my major to something that I was both interested in and uh, if I'm being honest, it would not extend my stay at the university. I wanted to be completed in four years, and so I shifted to healthcare administration, which was great um, because I did have a lot of accounting and econ classes, and married that with some of the, you know, kind of health business and other business classes. Uh, I had a co-op experience um, at one of the local, um, actually, at a nursing home and uh, a local, it's probably an HMO now, but back then it was a PPO uh, and thought that that was wonderful. And so when I, when I made the shift thinking I'm going to get into the legal field, my thought was actually that I would get a joint JD and master's in healthcare administration, which Washington university did offer. um, Ultimately, because it was going to Kind of extend my studying, and I and I shifted in another area. I did not do the master's in healthcare administration, but that was kind of the organic way that it all came about.
0: So tell tell um, our listeners what what is what's what's the day like for for you, and what 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 you what do you do in in terms of your work? I, I'm kind of familiar with what happens in in different lawsuits that you know all universities get involved in from time to time, but. I don't know if everybody really fully understands the kind of work that you do and how that all plays out in a day.
1: Sure. So the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals covers um, federal appeals from four different states. So I'm here in Michigan, but we also hear appeals from um, Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee. As a a district judge, which is what I was before, that's a trial-level judge. And so I heard federal lawsuits that were filed in the Eastern District of Michigan, which is basically the eastern side of the state. Once I was appointed to the circuit court, that meant that I would hear cases not just from Michigan, but also um, from those other three states that I mentioned, Kentucky, Ohio, and Tennessee. So our judges, and we have judges from all four states that make up the Sixth Circuit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what that means is, is that whereas as a trial judge, I would sit as the singular judge and have a case from its inception all the way through trial. As an appellate judge, I'm only hearing the appeals from judgments in those states. And I sit with two other judges uh, in a panel of three to determine whether or not there was an error made um, in the trial court or if there is some grounds to overturn a decision that was made in the trial court.
0: So, Tell, tell our listeners um, uh, uh, what what are you what are you most surprised about in your role now as a, a judge as a uh, compared to when you were an attorney and um, um, doing uh, that that kind of work and wh- what are you, what is surprising to you about the work that you're doing and, and has it changed in any way um, since you've been in your role?
1: Well, I can't say there have been uh, very many surprises. Uh, I was a federal practitioner for about um, 18 years, and I had been a lawyer for almost 25 years before I joined the bench. And so I had seen um, lots of issues that would go before the court. But But there have been some, I guess, small surprises in making the transition from district court to circuit court. So I mentioned as a district judge, you know, you're um, wholly responsible for your docket and you're in charge of your docket. And so Mm -hmm. you um, you kind of make decisions about the pace of things, uh, kind of what's going to happen. And there's flexibility in terms of, you know, if you have a trial that is supposed to go for a week and maybe it winds up going for eight days and you need to shift some things, you could do that. Um, And also, you don't have to consult with anyone else because you're making those decisions. You have to follow the law, obviously, but it's just you. Uh, as a circuit judge, you know, if I'm, I mentioned that I sit on panels of three, um, rarely, I shouldn't say rarely, but as as frequently as not, neither of the other two judges that are on the panel are here in Michigan with, me. you know, I might be on a panel and it might have a, me being from Michigan and then another judge from Tennessee and another judge from Ohio or from no. Kentucky. And so the, the number one the decisions that i make are not just me uh, at least one other judge has to agree with me and sometimes all a lot of most of the time all three of us will agree but at least two of us have to agree about something and that also means that we have to communicate throughout the process with one another uh, about how we're how the opinion is going to look whether or not we agree with those things and so it's a much more collaborative um, effort than when you're sitting as a district judge and simply taking in the evidence, applying the law, and and moving forward. So that's been uh, a, an adjustment, but a happy adjustment, because I have great colleagues here on the court with me.
0: Yeah. You, know, you may not be able to answer this, but it, are you seeing any trends in the type of cases that, that you all are um, reviewing um, at your level?
1: I don't know that there are any specific trends, but what I can say is that there are cycles. So for instance, um, when you get close to an election cycle, mm. you see a lot more cases that have to do with, um, election type issues. So 2024, of course, will be an election year. Um, mm. back in 2020, when I was a, a district judge and uh, in, in 2019, leading into it, you see a lot more, uh, election type cases. Um, so that's one area that, that I think that you see kind of comes in cycles.
0: Now, uh, this is a little bit of a selfish um, kind of uh, question, comment. One of the things that I've noticed um, in in my area of higher education, a lot more complexities in, in the law and regulations. And just just to give you a little bit of understanding at Wichita State, when, when you were a student, we didn't even have a, an attorney on our staff. Um, Now we have about eight attorneys that are um, currently, you know, reviewing, you know, regulations, laws. Um, Of course, we get involved in disputes from um, time to time that that we're involved in. It seems to me, and at least the higher education space, uh, that that is becoming more complex. And um, of course. I don't know if it has anything to do with just the changes of people's views of higher education it might I don't I don't know but um and the other complicating thing is as administrations change in Washington policies change in the Department of Education I, are you seeing or I'm assuming you you review cases from time to time that involve all higher education university college level kinds of cases
1: sure and I think that um you know in terms of the complexity that that might also have something to do with you know new laws that come into being you know title nine and and over time um you see more and more cases and and certainly as legislation uh is amended and uh there are new requirements and those kinds of things happen And, and 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 as people become more aware of the law i think you see people pursuing actions pursuant to the laws and so certainly um I would agree with you that uh, untangling some of the issues that come up can be pretty complex. And I do think that you see, um, I don't know if if you see more of them, but you certainly see different issues um, as the laws themselves get get changed over time. And that Mm -hmm. we have seen.
0: Yeah, most of what we see a lot of is, uh, of course, Title IX related um, issues, Title VII, um, those sorts of things. And, and, you know, there's just, and rightly so, there's just more expectations um, for us to make sure that people, you know, are able to come to the university and, and not feel discriminated or, um, you know, feel harassed and, and those sorts of things. And so, um, yeah, we're in the throes of that all the time. So, last question or comment, if I could get from you, um, if if you could give any advice to some of our incoming students um, about um, what what they should be thinking and 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 their uh, college uh, time frame, their career at the university, and going forward, what what would that be? Um, uh, that, I would not, I know they'd really appreciate hearing from you, especially.
1: Yeah. So my best advice. Um aside from studying hard and making sure that they're doing the best that they can do in their classes, is also really taking advantage of all that the university does have to offer. One of the things that I loved about Wichita State was that it was a very welcoming environment. Um, You immediately felt embraced by people who were high high up. I mean, the fact that, you know, well, of course, there's always Dean Radigan, but the fact that, um, you know, President Armstrong, for instance, would regularly invite students to things that were going on on campus. Um, there were so many opportunities, You know, even if you're not in a leadership position within an organization, there were so many student organizations uh, okay. to become involved in, whatever your interests were. Uh, and certainly there was also student government. So if you're someone who uh, is very interested in how the university uh, it, it was developing its policies and how students um, were treated on campus and all of those kinds of things, there are so many different opportunities. I think that whatever, whatever your community it is that you find yourself um, kind of fitting into, there's a place for it, and so you should um, be engaged in it because it's going to serve you well. Whatever profession you ultimately enter into, the both the, your your activities in college, the you know the connections that you make and the experiences that you have, I think will help you to develop professionally down the line. So that would be my best advice for students.
0: Well, I think that's great advice. And um, I'm I'm glad that you brought up your experience with uh, Dr. Armstrong. We've been really trying to hold true to that. um, And even previous presidents, um, from me, between uh, me and Dr. Armstrong, for instance, we host um, students over at the president's residence uh, Mm -hmm. two or three times a week, different student groups, because I believe that um, particularly our student Body, we have a very diverse student body, and and I want them to be able to see, you know, the president's house. You got to see it to believe it. You might yes. meet the president one day. You don't know. That's yeah. so important. Yeah. So it's good to talk talk to you this afternoon. Um, uh, I hope you have a good uh, weekend coming up, and and we really would like for you to come back to campus at some point. You know, the campus has doubled in size. Um, I don't know if you remember the golf course. That's now. I do. Yeah, you know, it's an innovation campus now, um, we have more than 50 companies located on our campus, working with our um, students, big companies like Deloitte, NetApp, and um, uh, Spirit Aerosystems, Textron Aviation, um, headquartered on our on our campus, some of these uh, entities, since really giving a lot of experiences, varied experiences for our students. I'd love for you to see that. Um, it, it's always good for people who've been gone for a long time to come back because they just can't believe the transformation.
1: Well, that is very exciting to hear, and I'm going to make it a point to come back to Wichita State, and I'd love to meet you in person and meet some of the students also.
0: Well, uh, we hope we can arrange that. We'll hold you to it. Um, you have a good rest of your day. Thank you for joining the podcast. All right. Thank you, Dr. Muma. Take care. And thank you all for listening. Join me next month, where my guest in the studio will be Dr. Elizabeth King, president and CEO of the WSU Foundation and Alumni Engagement. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to the Forward Together podcast. Go Shockers!
1: Sponsorship for the Forward Together podcast is provided by Scott Rice Office Works and the Shocker Store.